Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin Tyler McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. You know, I wasn't actually going to do my middle name. I, I thought to myself, that sounds a little pompous when I was editing. Mm-hmm. And then I just did it. So maybe that just is me now. Maybe That's I'm just, just the kind of guy who does that. See, I'm, I felt dragged into it, so I'm resisting now. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't need to say all, you know, I don't, I don't really need a big flashy title. I just like to kind of let my work speak for itself says the person who corrects anybody who doesn't put doctor at the beginning that is that is not true don't say that it's not true that i'm not not like that not no yeah unless they call you mrs justin mcelroy then you do okay then i would lose it yeah no i have a name i have it i am not just you know wife of justin sydney (laughs) i'm tired of eating beans justin we're tired of hearing about your diet Sydney, I'm tired of eating beans. It's your own fault. It's your own fault. You've fallen into a classic fad diet trap. It's not a fad diet. There's no fad diet. Into a fad about diet the slow carb lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Fad diet trap. Don't say things on the podcast you can't take back in real life. You don't want to undermine me. I'm feeling great. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm losing lbs, putting on muscle. Got a high yellow belt in taekwondo. Feeling great, just don't want to eat beans anymore. Now, let me ask you, do you think that slow carb is like a revolutionary new concept? No, but you do because you said it's a fad diet. I'm saying it's not a revolutionary new concept. I'm saying it's just a solid way of eating. Right. With a lot of beans. Do you think it's possible that it's popular right now and that maybe other versions of these kinds of fad diets were popular at different points in history, maybe by different doctors like dr adkins whereas that's why we're here with our slow carb let's be honest but maybe there were maybe he had predecessors maybe there was somebody even before him well sydney i would have said no but from your tone i could tell you're trying to segue into mm-hmm. an episode of Sawbones, and so i'm going to go with it and say i bet that's probably right that's right justin <laughs> you guessed nice. it you guessed it the idea of eating low carb is not really a new one and there have been various iterations of uh, meat-based diets throughout history. And I want to tell you about one, and specifically its founder, Dr. James Salisbury. Okay, well, I, I would love to hear about him. Okay, so first of all, thank you, Sam, for recommending this this topic. Sam, Dr. Sal- Sam Salisbury. No, not, I don't think Sam. Private no. detective. <laughs> That's a good name. Hey, Sam, if you want to be Sam Salisbury, private detective. There's your business card. There, Yeah, stick with that. Um, credit. 
us though yeah for sure for definitely give us all the credit a sawbones joint <laughs> sam salisbury private detective a sawbones joint <laughs> dr salisbury was born in scott new york in 1823 and initially medicine wasn't his passion he pursued chemistry as a career and worked as the principal chemist for the new york geological survey until 1852 but sometime in there he i don't know got bored got really interested in anatomy looked enough rocks and was like i wish this was a butt <laughs> that's how doctors become doctors we look <laughs> at rocks and go i wish this was a butt and, then, <laughs> and now now i'm a physician now i'm a physician just well, like that that's the story it's really at the core of every doctor that's the story yeah somewhere along the line where they just wish something was a butt <laughs> mm, inspirational mm-hmm. uh however he uh he so he got interested in medicine I, I'm not sure how. And so while he was still working, he started pursuing his MD and he got his medical degree in 1850. Now, as he started practicing, he became very focused on the idea that all illness comes from basically eating the wrong foods. Like there, it's all diet. Okay. We can trace everything that's wrong with humans back to things they're eating or not eating. I've heard, I, I think that's a kind of everything old is new again. I've heard a lot of that lately, mm-hmm. especially with guts. I heard that it's all about your gut bacteria. That's yes. Everything. Yes. So he, uh, along these same lines, he wasn't talking about gut bacteria, but some very similar themes to what we've what we've talked about more recently on the show. So uh, any any illness of the GI tract certainly could be traced back to what you ate. Uh, that He definitely knew that. If you came in with anything, you know, you're nauseous, you're puking, you're having diarrhea, your stomach cramps, anything like that. Obviously, that's what you eat. And then pretty much anything else, too, we just don't know. We've just still got to figure out all those connections. Mm-hmm. Um, and he thought that if we could just figure out what these things were that were making us sick and which things wouldn't, then we could cure all diseases, essentially. Just like that. Just like that. So he went about this in a fairly scientific way. If you want to know what foods are good and what foods are bad, Justin, what would be a really easy test you could do? Eat all of them in order, alphabetically, <laughs> and write down a number of how I felt after each one. Okay. that's Well, that's not bad. So, Thanks. yeah. So he started these solo food trials. Just okay. eat one food for a period of time. Mm. and see how you feel that's where i like kind of yeah i didn't control enough for that yeah just eat one food and i mean for for example just eat beans every day for every meal for weeks Mm -hmm. on end and see how you feel as a matter of fact he started with baked beans did he yes did he yes the first food he tried was baked beans they looked awesome they looked carved (laughs) so good they had eight packs now he reported that he did not feel very good while he was eating just baked beans he felt like he wasn't as quick like a a thinking wise like he he was not able to process information as quickly because he was kind of slow in that regard and then he also felt dizzy and flatulent i don't know about that second (laughs) part but but uh, it's not enough to try it out on one person, right? If you're going to do a study and you want to know if eating baked beans all day makes you dizzy and flatulent, you probably need to try it out on other you get people. a lot of bean heads in there <laughs> to eat some baked beans. So he invited six other guys to actually come stay at his house. And eat beans. And eat nothing but baked beans. <laughs> and they all did this. Can you imagine having to be in this house? No, no, I can't actually. I would rather not think about that. Thank you. I actually, I, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say I don't know if Dr. Salisbury had any kind of spouse, significant other. I mean, certainly not afterwards. Not after <laughs> maybe, this. Not after before. I invited six other guys. We're all going to sit around and eat baked beans all day. 
and fart and just then write down how we feel. How we feel about it. Sad, I think. <laughs> Bad. Guilty. This is the weirdest fraternity I've ever been to. <laughs> that basically is a real fraternity. Is that now. all you do? So, so they all stayed at the house. They all tried eating only baked beans for a while and they all had the same effect. So they didn't feel good. So he started going systematically through a lot of other foods. The next thing he tried again was oatmeal porridge. And he, with all of these, like with that one, he invited four other dudes, usually four men that he would find and pay. Like, you're going to come live with me and I'm going to give you food, but it's just this one food. And you're going to have to tell me constantly how you feel while you're eating it. And, yeah. And he did that with bread and rice and corn and potatoes and asparagus and beef and mutton and chicken and turkey and lobster and fish. And after doing all of these experiments, and remember, each of these foods was one at a time for right. anywhere from a week to two months of that single food. It all, it all, all in all lasted about two years that he did these experiments. Okay. So at the end, he came up with a couple of conclusions. First of all, contrary to what we would probably tell you now, Dr. Salisbury was certain that vegetables were bad for you. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> What do you? What this else you got? This is something that my dad, I think, would would yeah. have been on board with back in the day. Like, yeah. the, that's right. You just need the meat. What are all these vegetables for? So, so vegetables were bad. He thought that starch... Tommy also doesn't like his food to look like the thing <laughs> that it is. Like, no. he doesn't like tomatoes unless they're in a sauce or something that doesn't look like tomatoes. Right, preferably ketchup. Preferably ketchup. Ideally yeah. ketchup. Because that's as far from a tomato as a tomato gets, I guess. All this and more available for you on Court Appointed <laughs> every week. Go check it out. Hear about Tommy. It's not all about Tommy's weird no, food they preferences. Actually, they but... actually talk about funny legal things, but, but you know. But you also, I'm assuming at some point tomatoes <laughs> do come up. Uh, so he thought vegetables were bad for humans. He also thought that starch was bad. Uh, so bad that they would create poison in your GI tract when you ate them that would lead to things like heart disease, tuberculosis, mental illness, and cancer. This was, this was based on like an old idea. We've talked about this before. The idea that like you can get a sour stomach from like food rotting and fermenting in your stomach and making you sick. It just kind of hangs out there. Exactly. Like an old, like an old basement. (laughs) But that's what occasionally food does that for reasons we cannot fathom. And specifically in Dr. Salisbury's case, if it was a vegetable or starch food. You know, you at home are kind of cackling about that. But I bet within your lifetime, you've been told that gum does that. So that's true. Yeah, that's true. Or that a watermelon seed would grow watermelon in your stomach. Yeah. That's not true. Not either. true, folks. That's not we can true. Be- <laughs> we can bust that myth right now. <laughs> I didn't even have to test it. Yeah. So his proof for this, other than his his uh, studies, was in our teeth. The proof is in the teeth. Okay. So he looked at human teeth and he said, "Look, I'm looking at I'm looking at these teeth. I look in this human mouth and I see all these teeth, and clearly, twenty of these are meat teeth. You can tell just by looking at them. You got twenty meat teeth. You've only got twelve vegetable teeth. Now that tells you something right there." Yeah, yeah, you're not the good Lord doesn't want you to eat as many vegetables as he gave meat. you all those meat teeth. Now back there, what you got is a taffy tooth. You got one taffy <laughs> tooth. That means by using my advanced system, you get one piece of taffy a day. <laughs> so this is pretty much it. So therefore, meat's our friend, plants are our enemies. He advised uh, limiting veggies, fruits, starches, and fats to about a third of your diet, and two thirds of your diet should be meat. Now, the more you shift that balance towards meat, the better. But at the very least, two thirds of what you eat every day should be meat. I'm not saying protein. I'm saying meat. Meat. 
Two thirds of what you eat should be meat. Don't try to sneak lentils in there. No, and a third should be all those other things. And then the more you can shift that to no veggies, fruits, like that's the thing. He is he is advocating that if you can eliminate everything but meat from your diet, that's fine. Yeah, he's just realistic that most of us won't want to do that. Okay. And when it comes to meat, are there better kinds of meat? I'm assuming yes. Yes, Dr. Salisbury did these exam did these uh, studies too to figure out which which meat is the best. So he tried a bunch of different kinds and he found some like for instance pork. He he named specifically gave him what he called meat dyspepsia, mm. which is acid reflux and, and an unpleasant term. <laughs> meat dyspepsia. Meat so he dyspepsia. got so he got acid reflux. He got heartburn from eating pork all the time, and uh, and. He would do the same thing, you know, with a bunch of, of healthy young men. Again, he'd pull them in and have them eat different kinds of meat and ask them, did that give you meat dyspepsia? And he found that most meats <laughs> would cause acid reflux with the exception of two. He believed beef and lamb will not cause heartburn. That is incorrect. <laughs> that is a good try. I, I don't know how he was preparing like turkey that turkey gave him heartburn and beef didn't. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't sound right to me. Now, to be fair, he was choosing leaner cuts of beef. I will say that. It was not very fatty. Yeah, but still. It's but like still. Beef. But still. But still. So the ideal diet that he came up with, like the, the ratio generally that I gave you is a good like kind of rule of thumb for everybody to follow to stay healthy. But the ideal diet, especially for people who are already ill. So then we're talking about not just preventing tuberculosis with meat we're talking about curing tuberculosis with meat now so the ideal diet would be coffee and lean chopped beef steak which he calls in all of his writings muscle pulp of beef you know so appetizing if you really want it to (laughs) yeah i know if i see that on the menu i i just waiter please Mm. i didn't see you had muscle pulp of beef on here (laughs) and also i'm hannibal and could you bring lots please (laughs) super rare thank you He uh, he tried this coffee and lean chopped beefsteak diet out on himself, as well as uh, about a thousand pigs. Don't you mean bacon gristle sacks? In the <laughs> Salisbury, in the Salisbury. I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, that was probably his. The book we're gonna get to. He write he wrote a book about all this, and it's incredibly dense and scientific, as you may imagine. And uh, so he t- he treated me- the. What'd you say? It's meaty. It's me. <laughs> Obviously, it's very meaty. So he tried it out on about a thousand pigs, which he, he had tried it out on a lot of humans. <laughs> he, was giving, he was giving pigs coffee? Yeah. He's getting he, a jet? Yeah. No, his theory was that the, the GI tract of the pig is very similar to a human. And the advantage is that, and I'm, I'm sorry out there for everybody who does not like the idea of killing a pig, but uh, you could dissect them afterwards. That was the other and advantage. And jacking them full of... So like you, Java. like if you, like he had a bunch of uh, human subjects that he fed a bunch of meat to, he did not dissect them though. Uh, Just the pigs. What, 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 uh, but coffee, but like lots coffee of coffee and meat. for the pigs. Coffee and beef. And then, yeah. And they all were what, what is that? great. They were all healthy. I don't know. I don't know if he asked them like, how did what, your tongue feel, how, Wilbur? How's the coffee doing, Wilbur? <laughs> What's that spider writing up there? It says, um, you've been talking about the screenplay you want to write for 30 minutes nonstop. Please switch to decaf. Man, that, t- that spider is g- is tired of that by now. So from whatever he saw in the GI tracts of these pigs, he concluded that he was right. And let me say this. I don't think I mentioned this. Uh, in a lot of these cases, 
he was examining patients beyond just like asking them how they feel. Mm. Like he was a big believer in like blood tests and checking like bodily fluids, like urine and getting fancy. It's like a little more sciencey than we're used to. Exactly. Exactly. Like any stool samples and stuff like that. And like he continued this during the civil war, he served as a physician and he was able to kind of try these theories out on sick soldiers. So chronic diarrhea was a very common problem. A lot of soldiers were suffering from it. And so he would put the soldiers on these strict beef and water, beef and beef and coffee. And if you couldn't get coffee, hot water regimens, mm-hmm. beef and hot water regimens. And he felt like from his observations that it was helpful. And he would do the same thing. Like he would, he would, uh, give them the diet and then take bunches of samples of their poop and stuff and hey and like, can I, there's th- lots of poop sampling i didn't get into there's lots of like checking to see like what's still left in there did we break it all down completely because that was one of the his big hallmarks was like a lot of the stuff we eat can't be broken down completely so obviously we shouldn't be eating it it's kind of a crummy way argument. to take a break from doing war like <laughs> listen i'm gonna go back out and do more war in like 30 minutes can you not take stool samples and blood samples for me please? well i mean i i won't take the stool and the blood until after you eat all of this beef and drink this cup of hot water for me please because we're out of coffee and so from all of this information from all of his studies on himself on his on his sleepover buddies on his pigs on soldiers he he took all this information and he created one of the first bad diets oh what what specifically well justin i'm going to tell you but first why don't we head to the billing department let's go the medicines the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth now sid you were about to tell me about a fad diet that uh mr salisbury cooked up if you'll Pardon the rather <laughs> flimsy pun. That's right. So uh, it is 1888, and Dr. Salisbury finally publishes his his book. Uh, the book that I, I would love to say the book shook the nation, but pro- probably not because it was called Relation. Steel Magnolias. Relation. No. No. <laughs> Sorry. No. Let me try again. Try again. <laughs> Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Mm, no, no. Not that no. one either. Got it. No, Which one? I can name other books. Let me look around. Right. Justin keeps looking at books. So, Relation of Alimentation and Disease. Okay. As you can imagine, people were excited by that title. That's going to, yeah, that'll get you right to the top of the bestseller list. No, the book itself was, I mean, yes, people read it, but it was more one of those things that starts traveling word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Beef and Hot Water Diet is what it's called. BuzzFeed, the newspaper, pulls out the... Those seven most interesting things you need to know. There you go. About the new, the new beef and hot water diet. So here's, here's a general idea of it. You take, you get four pints of warm water a day. I should say hot water. It's pretty, pretty, pretty warm water that he would recommend. Um, This replaced the coffee. He, He eventually found out that like the coffee was not necessary. It was just all the water you were consuming from the coffee. Yeah. I wouldn't think the stimulant would hurt though. No, but unless people were just. I don't know, having diarrhea or something. I bet, I bet maybe the coffee rations were too hard to come by during the Civil War and he just tried hot water. That's probably true too. So four pints of warm water a day and minced beef. You would drink a pint an hour before each meal. So you're gonna have three meals a day. Mm-hmm. You're gonna drink a pint of hot water and then eat some minced beef an hour later. Do that three times. And then after dinner, you're gonna wait three hours and drink your last pint of hot water right before bed. Mm-hmm. 
the hot water was to do a few different things because um, obviously this was not part of the the nourishment itself right. and he was very clear on that like the hot water does not replace your food what it does is cleans you out he thought very literally it was cleaning all of <sighs> especially if you were someone who was just starting this he thought that this was really vital to clean out all of the gross stuff that all of those horrible vegetables had left in your body yeah <laughs> all, that, all that all that nasty vegetable and fruit material is going to get cleaned out from all this hot water it will also it was also thought to stimulate your liver prevent acid reflux make you pee more which was thought to be a sign of <laughs> fair good I mean, that's a pretty one-to-one but yeah. yes uh, clean uric acid out of your joint. So he thought that gout was a big thing he sought to cure with this diet. And he thought that all the hot water would help flush all the uric acid out of your joints that was Is causing it gout. bad for gout? It, any, any rich foods are bad okay, for gout. Thought. Anything high in purines. I knew yeah. we talked about it before. But... Um, it, it was thought to purify the blood and make it thinner so your heart doesn't have to work as hard to pump it. Because that could weaken your heart. He also thought the hot water would make you calm, cheerful, free from pain, and able to sleep well at night and have energy in the day. Mm, no. Yeah. No. no. Well, maybe calm. But more despondent? <laughs> like, calm in a despondent way? I don't know. Are you calm because you're drinking hot water? Well, I mean, I just... So I guess calm so I, you don't, more like, like depressed. Calm so you don't spill it on yourself? Yeah, that's true. Uh, for about 20 years... This became an extremely popular fad diet. Too slow, y'all. I don't even think that qualifies as a fad diet. You all just didn't know how to eat good for a while, <laughs> for two decades. My wife's being very generous and calling it a fad. You 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 buckled down for a generation on this, old-timey people. Don't try to hide. Said, Give, pass the minced beef, please. Uh, one such follower... Um, of- excuse me, waiter. Uh, I hate to trouble you, but... And I, and I don't want to go off menu, but do you have, uh, min, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess, uh, minced beef and hot water? Yeah. People have only been asking for it for 20 years. Yeah, no problem. Whatever. Yeah, fine. 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 Chefs are quitting left and right. This fine. is disgusting. Fine. I'm, I'm just going to tell my boss, Chef Boyardee, that you don't want his pasta. And then that's how he was like, never mind, I'll just store it in cans. Do you think that's how that it happened? They don't want to eat it. I got so much left over. I'm going to put it in cans to keep it. I, and then as somebody <laughs> was leaving, they were like, hey, excuse me, bub. Is that a can of spaghetti? Yes, but I made it wrong. And they're all O-shaped. <laughs> well, that's okay. I'll take it home with me, bub. And then from there on, and that guy's name was Mr. Campbell. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he made, there's a whole, it gets confusing. What, what's great about this is that your accents can never be offensive because they're so bad. They're yeah. it, like nobody could ever tell what kind you were trying to trying to do there. Uh, so a lot of what we know about kind of the culture that surrounded this diet doesn't come from Dr. Salisbury himself. Like I said, he wrote the very dense scientific text, Relation of Alimentation and Disease. But one of his followers was an English woman named Elma Stewart. And mm-hmm. she claimed that before she came in contact with this diet, mm-hmm. she had spent the previous nine years bedridden with some sort of horrible ailment that she had been to 43 different doctors for, and none of them had been able to figure it out or cure her. And then she saw an ad for this diet in a paper and she ordered the book and she read the book and she started the diet and she claimed that it it took a year to clean her out but a year later she was good as new Mm. and she became pretty 
evangelical about the diet after that. So uh, a lot of what we hear about, like people who tried it out and especially over in England, because she she kind of became she felt like it was her job right. to make sure, you know, it originated in the United States. But it's my job to make sure everybody in England has, you know, contact with this this treatment, the Salisbury treatment, Just, as she would call it. Right. Um, so she started telling everybody about it and she ended up actually writing a book. And this book is probably a little easier to read. It was actually kind of like, it was very popular. And a lot of the book critics were like, well, it's written in the crude fashion of today. Right. It's, it's kind of conversational. Yeah, right. yeah, it's very accessible. And it's called, What Must I Do to Get Well? And How Can I Keep So? Boy, I do want to read this book, actually. <laughs> it's actually pretty fascinating. It's her own personal story of her journey to wellness and then stories about other people who had been cured with the diet and then very specific like recommendations and descriptions of what to do and pitfalls and all that kind of stuff. Um, and she, like I said, she spread the Salisbury treatment all over across the Atlantic like this. She would actually consult with people, like personally consult with them. I'm going to consult with you and give you a personalized <laughs> recommendation for you. Let me guess. Hold on. I don't want to skip to the end, but is it give them mashed up beef and hot water? <laughs> It, it's funny because she she writes about a lot of her experiences consulting with people. And I mean, she's not a medical professional. She just read the book. Right. <laughs> and is doing this. And did her own book. And did, and did her own book. And now she's consulting with people. And so she would like talk to people and say, you know, I think you might benefit from this diet and advise them. And then if they and they would write back, like correspond with her periodically to say, like, how it was going. And so she tells all these stories about. So Mr. So and so writes me and says, you know, it worked OK for a while and then it's not or, you know, it's just it's helped a little, but it hasn't had the effects I've wanted it to. And so, of course, she does the obvious and she... says, send me a sample of your poop and I will tell you what you are doing wrong. Elma Stewart, you nasty bird. <laughs> you dirty bird. How dare you? You are a nasty bird. If, if there weren't so many problems with this diet, this would be really inspirational. Because, I mean, it's fascinating to yeah. me that this woman took it upon herself to, like, learn microscopy and understand how to analyze stool samples under a microscope and she did she did i'm mean, like she would she would get these samples and then she according to her now this is all from her perspective she would write these people back and say well i saw some uh, nuts in there that's not on the diet is it i can tell you were eating dried fruit and that is your problem and in every case she would say inevitably they would write her back and say i can't believe it you caught me you're right i haven't been sticking to the diet how did you know how could you figure it out? Can I just say, like, on behalf of everybody, thank God for television. Because <laughs> until television, this is a, well, Julie, I've got to kill in the afternoon. How, well, how are you going to do it, Fred? Well, Julie, I'm going to poop in a bag and mail it to England. <laughs> then wait for the response as our game of cat and mouse and poop <laughs> continues. This, this... The wait is agonizing for the letter to see if she's caught me on my latest crime. There was one particularly hard case she wrote about in which a man was... She couldn't cut it, and she was at it all day, and she couldn't... No, no, hard. she figured it out. Caught oh, hard. Oh, no, Justin. 
in which she was eating banana. The, the man was eating bananas on the sly, but mm. kept just complaining like, I don't know. It's not working. I don't know what the problem is. And she kept analyzing his stool, but she had never seen bananas in poop. So she wasn't familiar. Like, this is how she figured this out by eating things or ha- or having samples from other people who ate things and looking at poop that had that in it and seeing what it looked like. Like, mm-hmm. this is really how she figured this out. So she said, well, I'd never seen bananas in poop. So I kept seeing this thing that had a lot of starch in it, but I had no idea what it was. And she finally got the idea that it might be bananas somehow. And she sent a friend to bike into town and buy her a dozen bananas. And she told her friend, we'll just have a gorge on them. And they gorged themselves on bananas. And then duked. And checked it out. It looked exactly like the the gentleman whose sample she was inspecting. And she gotcha. 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 You're Uh, eating bananas. Side note, that was definitely this dude's fetish. Like, (laughs) sorry. Sorry, everyone. That's the facts. Now, the uh, as as you may have already guessed, at the same time that the Dr. Salisbury had introduced his diet and and Miss Stewart was making it oh so very popular, he also came out with the perfect food. So he knew that beef, uh, specifically minced beef, was a great thing to eat. But he said, you know what? I found the perfect way to prepare it where it will be the most easily digestible and it tastes good and it's easy to replicate. And here it is. It's ground beef. Flavor it with some onions and some seasonings like salt, pepper, throw some lemon juice in there, some butter, real butter, Worcestershire sauce, mustard, and horseradish. And you can deep fry it or boil it either way. It was kind of a kind of a steak of sorts. Mm-hmm. You may say a, a Salisbury steak, perhaps. And now you know <laughs> the rest of the story. So this is where Salisbury steak came from. He recommended that you eat his steak three times a day with lots of water. And it would, uh, in addition, it would help you lose weight. That was the other thing. In addition to protecting you against all these diseases, eating a Salisbury steak three times a day will help you lose weight and prevent gout, rheumatoid arthritis, colitis, anemia, asthma, heart disease, TB, everything else I mentioned. I don't buy all that stuff. You could do. (laughs) No, you shouldn't. (laughs) It's not true. Salisbury steak won't do that. You could do worse than this, though. Than a Salisbury steak? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I read that Salisbury steak probably would not have continued to remain so popular. I mean, because it we still eat. Well, I don't, but people still eat Salisbury steak today. Now, why did this persist, this particular preparation of minced beef? And one reason that people theorize is that after World War One, the hamburger dropped in popularity because it was named the hamburger and there was a rejection German. of things okay. with German names, and so the Salisbury steak became more popular because it's kind—I mean, it's kind of a hamburger. Yeah, it's a hamburger. It's basically a hamburger. It's basically a hamburger just with specific things on it, but it's basically a hamburger. Uh, but that was—that may have been why it, it stuck around and persisted and became like the your school lunch staple, your TV dinner staple. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fat only lasts. The diet only lasts about twenty years. But of course, we have things that uh, echo that today. I think there are a lot of meat based diets that aren't that extreme. No, but certainly would tell you to stay away from starches and to limit a lot of other things that that might also be and good for all you. They're right. I think I think doctors. No, they're not all right. No, they're not all right. Don't throw that in there. Oh, Don't try sorry. to slide that past me. Got it. Uh, and I think Doctor Salisbury would be pretty disappointed today, though, if he saw the way his steak was served. Alongside like mashed potatoes yes, and, and yeah. corn and <laughs> a big roll. My beautiful steak. 
It's to be served dry on a plate, on a cold plate. Where's your pint of hot water, school child? (laughs) What is this, milk? No! Oh, man. Right now, there's a spouse who, or a a boyfriend or girlfriend or good buddy who's listening to this show, and they're thinking, God, every time that we go to a restaurant that serves Salisbury Steak from now on, this person is going to be insufferable. I'm going to be hearing this anecdote for the rest of my life. You know where Salisbury Steak comes from. You know. Oh. Did you, uh, did I see I have the Salisbury Zake? Uh, wow. Can I just Trying to prevent tuberculosis, are you? <laughs> Let me back up. <laughs> the, and by the way, that person's me. Yeah. Um, Sorry. <laughs> and also me. From now on, I'll try to beat you to it. Um, folks, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much uh, for listening to our podcast. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed yourself. Uh, there's a lot of other great shows in the MaximumFun.org network that you can go try and enjoy. And I would highly recommend you do so. Thank you to the taxpayers for uh, letting us use their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thank you, thank as always, you for, for listening. listening. You're the best. Um, if you get a second, go give us a review on iTunes. That would just mean the world to us. Thanks. 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 Anyway, that's going to do it for us. So until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.